by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Welcome back to Game Over Ottawa. I'm your host, Maud, and unfortunately, we are discussing more misery for the Ottawa Senators tonight. Uh, joining me, I have Michael Char. How are you doing tonight, Michael? Good, good. Uh, well, not the greatest, considering the result, but uh, honestly, at least there's a couple things we can hang our hats on today, but unfortunately, not much changing. Yeah. And thank you, I have to say, by the way, for joining me for such a late night stream. It's uh, much appreciated. Uh, yeah, hopefully, no problem. I wonder with this being a closer game, maybe some more Sens fans are actually staying up uh, till the end of the game or at least near the end of the third period. At least it wasn't like the San Jose game where I'm sure everyone went to bed after the second period. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's also never a good sign, though, whenever you look into the stats and it shows the Sens have yet to win uh, trailing heading into the third period oh, so man. yeah not even a lot of those stats comeback. guys will probably head off <laughs> damn uh well before we get into a full recap of tonight's game i would like to thank our sponsor sports interaction think you know what way it's gonna go make your bet with sports interaction whether it's the world cup hockey football or basketball sports interaction has you covered bet pre-game live in play or on one of our many prop bets sports interaction makes it easy to deposit play and cash out Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head over to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. It's 19 plus only. Please play responsibly. And I've, I feel like I'm going to be making this joke a lot this season, but I wouldn't be betting on the Sens too much going forward if I was a betting person. I feel like the only things that are even bet-worthy at least for the near future with the Sens, would be for maybe certain players getting points consistently, because mm -hmm. we've seen that at least, yeah. and Sanderson winning the Calder. Oh, yeah. That... Spe speaking of yeah. which. Speaking of yeah. Sanderson, I think that's probably going to have to be our leading topic here tonight. I like that you mentioned Sanderson for Calder, because I actually wanted to get into that, and very glad to see him score his first NHL goal tonight. That was a great moment, kind, kind of the, the one moment that we're really going to remember from this game if anything uh it, it was really yeah. nice to see him finally get rewarded uh what did you think of sanderson tonight well i think he obviously had a good good game like it's 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 almost how do i say like even his worst game of the season so far he his, his like how do I say his floor is much higher than a lot of, well, of people's ceilings in this league mm -hmm. which is crazy to say considering he's a rookie already and i feel like the only thing with Sanderson is it's clear that heading into the league, both from his draft to obviously the start of the season, he's been focused on playing good defensive hockey and just chipping in offensively when he can. And while it's obviously going to be good for him, just it fitting into the roster because anyone can use a good sound transitional defensive defenseman like Sanderson, the main thing for him that I feel like that's going to hamper him for the Calder if you don't watch his games is just he's not going to stack up points which is crazy because he's still putting up pretty good numbers I think mm -hmm. he has at least 10 points now with that goal so it's it just goes to show how important he is to the team already and how he's filled in Shabbat's role better than he has this year in terms of Shabbat like <laughs> he's kind of had an off start to the year yeah. and Sanderson's been the guy who's been picking up the slack especially defensively so him getting finally getting his cookie, getting his uh, his well, cookie is like his first assist, but getting his goal uh, that he's probably deserved just with how consistently good he's been this year. And if he keeps up this form for the rest of the year, he there's no doubt in my mind he should be a Calder candidate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wanted to bring up the point scoring because I think yeah, a lot of the time too. for the major uh, 
awards, the point scoring is what really gets you league-wide recognition, especially mm. uh, from the voters. Like, a lot of people argue about the Norris for that, and you see that a little yeah. bit with the Calder, too. Although we did see Moritz Sider getting his recognition last year as a defenseman. Now, Which is I, a good sign. I don't think uh, Jake Sanderson will probably put up as many points as Sider did last year, but... Uh, it is good to see Sanderson picking up some points now because, like you said, he's mostly been focused on the defensive side of his game overall so far this season, I would say, especially in the first couple weeks. I thought, like, he wasn't getting a ton of points, but he was just super solid defensively, and now we're yeah, starting like, to see nothing more offense from about. him. Yeah, and the only thing with Sanderson that I feel that is kind of a weird position he's in because he's being so good is how important he is to the team. I feel like especially there's so many times even in this game today and over especially the course of ever since Shabbat's injury that Sanderson has been creating plays almost single-handedly with his skating with his passing and with just some shots and I feel like while that is good that's obviously what you'd want from a uh, from a high pick defenseman like him uh it's also going to show how a lot of the Sens is like current success even in recent games it's a more on individual play than mm -hmm. anything else, which is not something you'd want to see considering that the whole point of the Sens offense this year was is that it's it's meant to be deep. It's meant to be like really sound transitionally and keeping things in the zone. And but the problem here is, is you'll have games like the past three where you score three goals in three games. And it's it's just tough because the one thing I can see people complaining about online, which yet again, we saw a lot of today is just dump and chase very little transitional hockey outside of individual plays. So, and and that kind of just goes to show how, while they can get a lot of shots on the board, I think it was like 39 shots tonight. It didn't feel like a 39 shot game because a lot of them weren't uh, high danger shots, which is crazy to think of considering that Vegas arguably had less and they still won the game. Yeah. I think uh, that's a great point that you brought up there, like about the individual plays that are kind of the bright spots. Like I really didn't expect, no matter the Sens record, like good or bad, I really didn't expect to be talking about stretches this year where, like you said, we only scored one goal in each of the past three games. Like I thought this team would be living and dying on its offense, but yeah. living a little bit more, you know, and not dying because of it. Uh-huh. It's uh. It's disappointing to say the least. And the crazy thing is, is that you can't really even point the finger at a specific player so far. I feel like if you look at the top six in general, yeah, you'd want them to play better, but they're not also like severely underperforming where, to the point where you can just point a guy and say like, oh yeah, you know, you're not playing good enough. You're not playing good enough. There are a couple people you can definitely say they're underperforming. But even then, like I talked about earlier on Twitter with somebody, I think we can all agree Stutzla isn't performing as good as we thought he would at this course of the year. He's still point per game. Mm -hmm. which is crazy yeah. to think. Um, Giroux, obviously, he's been the brightest spot, I think, over the past 10-game stretch, points-wise, consistency-wise, and no matter what happens, he will be the best player in like in stretches throughout the match, which is always just nice to see. Like, the best player on the ice, too, not just on our team. But it's, it's also tough because you'll have so many moments that I can just easily point to and just say, like, they shouldn't be doing that. Another moment, they shouldn't be doing that. And... Mm -hmm. Of course, I can say that as a person who's never played competitive hockey, as someone who's just been a fan of the team ever since essentially I was born. But it's also one of those things, too, where I feel there's a mix of overcomplication and too simple 
which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, it's like, I I feel like when our top two lines are out there, the skilled guys, I feel like they're a little bit of the overcomplicating uh, Yeah, they're passing too much, not shooting enough. Yeah, but then you see the bottom six go out there and it's pure dump and chase just because of the, yep. the talent level of those players. It's, an, it's a little bit of a jarring difference to have kind of kind of be going back and forth between two play styles on offense almost it's really strange and it, it's crazy too because i remember i was i was making notes throughout the game today in preparation for this and the one thing i noticed all game i'm not sure if you would necessarily agree but i felt like the fourth line was actually really good today there was mm -hmm. a lot of good four checks a lot of good opportunities on net and obviously if you're trying to you know if you're talking about trying to go for finishing to win games like the like the ones you have today obviously you know, the Kelly breakaway shorthanded. There's a couple other moments I know where Castlick got some good shots off on the net and you want them to finish, but you're also not expecting them to finish as much as you would the top six. And so seeing the bottom six, especially the fourth line, getting more shots and I would say better chances overall um, from pure effort than the top six makes you a little bit worried. But then you also have moments where I feel like also the Kachuk line was good today. Mm -hmm. and, and and I don't think it's controversial at all to say, like, in comparison to the last two games, this game was really good. Last two games, they got shelled. It wasn't even close. And we obviously saw that with how fast the goalies got pulled on both games. But for today, it's more of the, we played good, we didn't get the bounces. And I'm just sick of that narrative. I, I, I want to get to the point where I'm not talking about, oh, well, guess uh, we're down by one or down by two in the third period. Okay, let's, 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 let's wait for either us to score one or score nothing. We're going to pull the goalie and we're going to get, get an empty net goal and lose. And that's how it's been all year. Yeah, we're really past the point of moral victories, uh, feeling like they yeah. mean much. It's like we saw Team Canada get that moral victory in the World Cup earlier today. But uh, the Sens... Not the actual one. Yeah, it's just the Sens have seen too many of those where it's just like, oh, we were so close, we played well. And, you know, it was nice to see tonight after those last two games that were pure stinkers. Yeah. But it's so tough after such a long losing stretch to be able to find, like, overall positives in that game. Because even though Vegas is a top team, like, this is... I don't like using that as an excuse because this is still a league where any team can beat anyone. Like, yep. I, I saw that Arizona beat Carolina today. They shut them out. So yep. weird things happen in this league. And when you're right there with a team playing pretty evenly with them throughout the whole game, it's just frustrating to not be able to uh, finally clutch one out, you know? Yeah, and it, it was it was and it was so close for the majority of the match too. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I I feel like one of the biggest problems hanging over the Sens right now, which is also a benefit, is the sale of the team, because it seems like obviously this is speculation, but it seems like the team isn't making any significant changes because of the sale. Mm -hmm. Um. Obviously, that's from a perspective of a fan, even though Pierre Dorian has clearly went and stated that DJ's the coach, uh, not much is going to be changing. And obviously, there was that Zaitsev Myers trade that got nixed. So it's not that they're not trying to make changes, but I think the fans are so apathetic at this point, being tied bottom of the league with the Anaheim Ducks, who are facing oh, off of oh against next, or like one of the next couple matches. I think it's next. I yeah, might it's be wrong. Next. Um, it's it's the same thing. It's the same thing as the past two years. And and I think fans are at the point now where the expectations were higher and the standard because of it is also higher. And yet two more wins at this point in the season, still bottom of the league at this point of the season, like 
I'm starting to slowly fade and fade into the point of just not caring because mm-hmm. I know that they're not going to be playing meaningful games. And that was their whole point coming into this year. We're going to be playing meaningful games into uh, into the trade deadline. That's what or that's what Pierre Dorian was hoping for. So now we're in this position where we're eerily close of, of being meaningless games at the trade deadline. And the only reason why it's not that yet is I remember a Sense Talk, uh, another good content creator, he mentioned how the Sens before this game were technically only 10 points out of a wildcard spot, which is crazy to think it's in the bottom of the league. Mm-hmm. But it's also something where, where are you getting these points from? The teams who you're supposed to beat, you lost to. And the teams that you're supposed or that were supposed to beat you, yes, you might be playing better against them, but you're still losing. Mm-hmm. So you're not beating anybody. <laughs> and yeah. that's never going to, you know, it's never going to lead to anything. It's it's just like a classic example of instead of finding ways to win, you're just finding ways to finding lose. Finding ways to lose. Yeah, yeah, just every night. And it's tough to, uh, like, when you're talking about uh, how we're in such a hole and the sale looming and stuff, like, it, it's it's sad to see this season. It's a little depressing after the start that we had, uh, just in terms of, like, the fan base. Like, I was at the home opener, and my god, that yeah. was the most entertaining game I've been to since the playoffs in 2017. Yeah, Such I was there too. Amazing atmosphere, confirm. yeah. So you would know. And then this losing skid has just killed all enthusiasm across yep. the city, and I'm thinking that it's going to be pretty lean attendance uh, for the rest of the year, which is really sad to see, just yeah. in terms of a excitement perspective, and also a bit of a team revenue perspective as well. Yeah, and I think it's just fair to say too that when it comes to the near future it's if no changes come by and that's the thing i understand with the sale i understand with other you know it's not that they're not trying to make changes but in my opinion it's also one of those things too where something has to be done to send a message to the general team mm-hmm. whether it's a small trade big trade um coaching change assistant coaching change there has to be something here that that has to change i feel because we went on, what was it? It was a seven or eight game losing streak. I think it was seven. Yeah, it was one of the two. That Hard I know to for remember. Sure. Then Too we won losses. a game against Philly, and now we're on another losing streak. Mm-hmm, three in a row and now. So, it's, so it's, it's just one of those positions where getting out of that hole from that losing streak clearly wasn't enough. Just just getting that one game to, to, to kind of stop the fall, mm-hmm. it's not leading to another rise. It's leading to another fall. So... It's, I, I feel, I mean, I, I feel apathetic and it just sucks because it's a team that I really has so many good pieces that you want to watch, but it just feels like it's, whether it's coaching or player performance, it's not showing on the, not only on the score sheet sometimes, especially these last three nights, but it's also not scoring. It's also not showing in the table, which is what matters most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's really looking like the losing streak was not just a fluke at this point and it feels like it's just going to be consistent throughout the year like i know obviously the blues are a better team but they had an eight game losing streak kind of around the same time as the Sens. and guess what they followed it up with a giant winning streak and now they're back in the playoff race like yep so it's it's not possible for teams to come back from yeah yeah but it's i'm 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 not i'm not yet saying it's over tank for Bedard trade assets. I don't think it's that time yet. And there have been some heated moments where I've said that you could probably check my Twitter and find out, <laughs> but it, it's very much that, that, that sense of, and, and, and I remember even seeing more, seeing more stats to confirm it. The Sens are obviously they're playing good and they're getting unlucky, 
but also being the fan of the team and watching in game out game in game out there's clear things that can be done better and so that's the thing imagine the sins with their current statistics in a position that's better for them to succeed it'd be crazy then it'd be the sins that some of the more hyped up fans would be we're talking about heading into the year you'd have a team that'd be fighting for or already in a playoff spot in the in the atlantic but you're you're on the complete opposite end of the spectrum you're in a position where the team is in such a hole that you're going to have to play amazing get out of it while a team has the potential to do it it's also that it's also been a long enough hole where you know something has to change mm-hmm. and in terms of something needing to change i know we talk about a sale maybe potentially blocking certain changes but if yeah there was nothing standing in the way. What would be the first change that you would make personally? Personally, how do I say it? And I think uh, I'll back it up, but I think it's time to move on from DJ Smith. Mm-hmm. I think that this is less to do with his coaching and more to do with something. There needs to be a new voice. I feel like one of DJ's, I remember even watching, uh, I think one of the most recent um Steve Dangle or SDPN podcast, they were talking about the Sens and how um, DJ Smith was essentially the the nice guy in the group whenever he was part of the uh, Leafs coaching staff. Um, and while that is good and you do need that voice in the locker room one way or another, there are times where being nothing but positive doesn't add to the situation. It takes away from it because then you're kind of you're you're overlooking mistakes just because you want to keep the group happy and i feel like bringing in a new group just to overlook them and for a lack of better words kick him in the ass just just to get something going and i remember another tweet that kind of really made me think this way as well is i want to see more than just mild frustration from these players in the current position they're in Mm-hmm. I, I, in my opinion, especially with how good they are statistically, they should be furious. And yeah. I'm sure they are. I'm not doubting their emotion in the game, but like hearing something like someone kicking a trash can, yelling at a coach, just showing some sort of like intense emotion w- w- would do wonders, I think. And in, in the same way of um, maybe not the best example, but um, Kevin Durant yelling about the Nets <laughs> and the team suddenly doing a lot better. I, I feel it's 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 getting that off of your chest. And if that's happened already, then I'm even more worried. Yeah. That means that they've gotten that kick in the ass and nothing has changed. Which means that there are more systemic flaws to this group than we originally anticipated. And with how young this core is, I don't think trading anyone from the core will matter. I do think some trades need to be made. Mm-hmm. I do think that Hamannick is a little overrated. I do think that I'm so happy Zaitsev is gone. I think most Sense fans can agree. But I also think that bringing in a new player just to bring in a new player isn't going to do anything, which is why I see the the situation they're in as such a tough one. You want to trade for a new defenseman, preferably, to help with the core, but you also are in such a bad position where your first-round pick might be worth something. Mm-hmm. You're also in a position where you're you're uh, you have two big contracts coming up on the horizon with Debrinket and Zub, but you also don't want to get anyone forward wise that might raise your contracts to the level where you can't afford those players. Do exactly. you trade them? It's it's tough. It's such a tough position they're in now, which is why while I do say or I do think getting rid of DJ is 
probably the the, the it's going to be the change that does the most. Mm-hmm. I also completely understand if they don't. It's just also in the same way I mentioned earlier, seeing things that could be done better makes it so much more frustrating. Yeah. I, I totally agree about the whole trade thing. Like, I've seen people throwing out names of different defensemen on Twitter that may or may not be good acquisitions. A lot of them, people just kind of look at who is going to be uh, an upcoming restricted free or unrestricted free, free agent. Uh, yeah. And at this point, with this record on this team, it's tough to want to give no up any to picks for getting yeah, yeah any rental or anything so if you add a defenseman like it feels like it has to be a long-term move at this point which like you said is difficult to be bringing in salary like that when we ideally want to keep alex to and definitely want to keep uh, artem zub yeah it's it's just such a tough position because it's clear that the the organization intended for the sense to at least be mediocre mm-hmm. which is what i think most level-headed fans expected them to be good on offense bad on defense but instead what you're getting is bad on defense mediocre on offense and the old and the only thing taking them down from that good to that mediocre level is their finishing Mm -hmm. speaking of that topic uh what have you thought about Alex Tabrinkit's game recently? Because that's been another hot topic sort of on Twitter in terms of is he the player that we expected or is he being used properly with the coach? Is he getting the best line mates? What are your thoughts I, on that? I think it's a mix of multiple things. One, I don't think he's being put in the position he should be to succeed. I think I remember um, I'm, I'm referencing Twitter so much. Hmm, I wonder where you can find me. But there was a, I think um, a couple of people put out whenever he was trending that he scored, I think was somewhere in the realm of 60 to 80% of his goals last year of his 41 goals on that left circle on the power play mm. and how he is being underutilized so heavily on the power he play. He does not crazy. have one goal from that spot. I don't think. Yes. And, and even when he has, and that's the thing, I don't think he's played great but it's 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 so much it's so much over exaggeration to put to say he's been playing bad because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's close to point per game much much like he's amongst that sort of best forwards points wise on the team and and yes you obviously want him to score more goals and goals do matter more than assists it's also that sort of thing too where you're not putting him in the position to succeed and my biggest gripe heading into the season even whenever we had though that 4 and 2 record when we started the year was we had a top 6 setup during most of our preseason where it was Kachuk Norris Batherson Debrinkit Stutzla Giroux and then DJ Smith makes the call where um the second line is passing too much it's not shooting enough I'm going to swap the centers not that big of a deal considering Norris and Stutzla are basically uh, two very competitive top six centers. Mm-hmm. Um, but now with Norris gone, Stutzleben is in that position where he can't play with the Brinkett because he has to play on the first line. You're not going to have Pinto on the first line. And, if, and even though that'd be a good idea, I think, just, just to give him, just to try it out, the first line's been playing so good with Brady and um, Timmy together that you don't want to break that up. Well, now you're in the position where Pinto is with Debrinket and Giroux and he's been playing fine, but he's also, it, it's just so many things are out of position because of injuries. And I think that if you just had Stutzla with Debrinkit from the get-go, you have a playmaker and you have a passer. And especially this year, um, even to a frustrating extent with how much Timmy's passing the puck, you'd want someone like Debrinkit on his line who and just give him the green light. Mm-hmm. But he's in this position now where he has to playmake, he has to pass, he has to deke more, just because a lot more probably attention is being given to him because Kane's no longer on the line with him. It's It's tough. And I don't think it's... I think it's over-exaggerating saying, oh, he's, you know... 
Kane is very much what made him a good player or or he can't be a 40 goal scorer again without someone like Kane on his line. I think we have the players who can do that in Stutzla and Giroud. Stutzla needs more time. Giroud's definitely to an extent tailing off, but he's not doing that right now. So I just feel he's not being put in the position to succeed. And while he can be playing better, it's I think it's over-exaggeration to give most of the blame to him. I think he's been playing fine. And watching the game too, I I, I don't see anything wrong with Debrinket's game. At most, I see him kind of mediocre. And even then, he's playing good most of the time. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Like, despite the low goal total, he's still been, I think, one of our best forwards defensively. Um, and he's surprisingly good at puck retrievals and like yeah. ho- holding on to the puck for such a small guy. And I totally agree with you about his usage as well. I'm really hoping to see DJ try putting him with uh, Stutzler and Kachuk. Just like just load up that top line at some point here. When you're in like a low scoring phase like this, you need to try something. And I know yeah, Giroud has played really well with uh, Kachuk and Stutzler, but I feel like Giroud is the type of guy who's going to play well no matter who he's playing with. Like he's a thousand game vet at this point. I don't think there's really going to be any like bad line mates for Giroud. Yeah. Whereas uh, Dobrynka just isn't really playing with the right style of players right now. And yeah, we really do miss Josh Norris in there because just the flexibility to be able to switch them around him and Stutzla if things aren't working is just uh, sorely missed. Like, I know we uh, we tried Pinto back on the second line today and he's been all right recently, uh, but it's the type of thing where it's quite a lot of pressure to put on a rookie that quickly to have to center the second line. Yeah. Uh, but we have no choice really right now, which is tough because the other option being Derek Broussard, and that's just been rough playing him in the top six. I'm hoping yeah, it, hoping we don't see much more of that. He's kind of just there. And I don't mean that in a in a, um, in a a bad way for Broussard. I feel like he's fine for the bottom six. And mm-hmm. I feel like he actually had a couple chances today just being on that scruff in the third line. I feel like that's might be where he fits best, at least for the time being with Norris out. But I also feel like I, the one thing that the Sens don't have with this current losing streak is as much time as they would have had starting the year. And putting Pinto on a second line with two very like two players who are extremely like the two big signings of the offseason, right? Like two big names. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot of pressure for him. And while he has been playing good, he's tapered off a little. He's not as hot as he was to start the year. Um, I still think that that line, if it were to stick together, depending on injuries and time, it should get better. But I also feel like as much as it is putting the blender together and figuring out what works best, I also feel like there's also that argument of keeping things the same so that they can just grow more synergy together. So if they were to keep the lines the same as they are right now with Debrinkit, Pinto, Giroux, Kachuk, Stutzla, Batherson, as I believe as it was today, I'm not against it, but you can't do that and then also say, but why is Debrinkit not scoring as much? It, mm-hmm. It's obvious that he's getting used to something new and if Pinto and Giroux can develop that chemistry with them, I'm sure he'll start scoring more goals in no time. That's definitely a fair point too, is just giving players time to gel because the injuries have resulted in a lot of line juggling. Um, Another guy I wanted to bring up is uh, Drake Batherson. I feel like he's been a bit of a disappointment so far this season, like especially the last few games playing with Kachuk and Stutzla. I feel like he's kind of the weak link on that top line right now, which pains me to say because I've I've really been a fan of his on-ice play since he even since before he joined the Sens, but like I I feel like right now 
He's playing kind of soft for a big guy. He's been turning the puck over a lot, and just the points aren't really there as much right now, even though he had a pretty hot start to the season. Uh, what have you thought about Batherson's game? Uh, I, I, I agree. I, I feel like he's been a disappointment, and it's hard to be so hard on him, especially with how good he was over the past two years. It's one of those things too where maybe he's just having a bad time now. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be an unfortunate moment because this year was meant to be the year where everyone steps up with the talent that we have in the forward group. But it's also one of those things, too, where because of, or how do I say it, I don't think Batherson's play has been, how do I say, one of the main problems of the team. There's always been so many other things to point to, uh, from defense to goaltending, even to an extent, just in terms of like, you know, the swaps recently and the play and, and to other forward play that obviously Batherson's underperformance has not been as highlighted. But I also, I also completely agree. I feel like his, he's the weak link, the weak link on that top line. And I feel like, that uh, what was it a couple of games ago where he was playing on the third line I believe with Pinto and and uh, and Mott yeah, yeah. um it, it, I understand why he would get demoted to that position mm-hmm. and uh, and the only reason why I even see him sticking on the top line like he is right now is just because his synergy with the players is so was so high from previous years and and the potential of those players working together is so high now. Is it a coincidence that Bathurst underperforming is leading to the sense of underperforming offensively? Yeah, uh, no, it's 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 a clear correlation, I think. But it's also one of those things too where you have so many people on the forward group playing good despite the losses that I don't mind having one or two guys not having the best time. Like you could even argue that despite his good defensive play, Matthew Joseph hasn't had the good best offensive season, especially with how much has been promised from him mm-hmm. and how much was paid to him. But he's also a good defensive player with a positive plus minus, which on a team like this is not that common anymore. Yeah. So you take the good with the bad. It, it sucks that Batherson has more bad than good right now. But I also um I wouldn't be surprised if he would start to pick up and get better. I just I'm not thinking of him as much as I am thinking of um Timmy's got to shoot more. Debrinkit's not putting put in the situation to succeed. You know, um, the fourth line has been a black hole on offense other than just jamming pucks in on net and getting lucky sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like those are the issues I see as more important. But if but it's also fair if you want to say our top line right winger isn't playing well. And yeah, and you're right. He's kind of been more quietly like subpar. Whereas I think criticizing the criticisms of Stutzla and Debrinket are more obvious those are more obvious gonna have more eyes on them yeah yeah uh well looking ahead to the next game I'm gonna put you on the spot here do you think we will beat Anaheim what's your prediction oh god this is the worst position to be in oh don't worry it's how do I say I have a very similar feeling to us heading into the San Jose game where you know with our statistics and how we've been playing recently we should win but it's also that situation where we're in such a down period right now that you, it's hard to predict how we're going to play. Mm-hmm. Because it, would I have predicted we were going to play so well today against a uh, a very, very good opponent and still lose 4-1? I mean, in retrospect, yes. But heading <laughs> off of those two previous losses, no. I, I thought they would have played the same as they would have in San Jose. And it's it's really tough. Um I'm going to be a, a a very boring pessimist and say they're going to lose 4-2 to an empty netter. Ooh, the empty netter, the classic way for the Suns to lose. 
giving uh, Anaheim their second regulation win this entire season. Yeah, thank God they got a regulation win tonight. So before it doesn't they won, have to yeah, be no. us. Yeah, I was really expecting that to be how it played out, but I yeah. I'm not too confident either. I'm thinking that Anaheim is probably going to take that one on Friday, but I hope I'm wrong. I wouldn't be too surprised if they if the Sens took it though, mm -hmm. considering they did beat a team in a similar situation in Philly. Um, That's true. So to speak. I mean, Philly did have a good start to the season, but it's more so just the fact where it's like Philly was a team where we outperformed the hell out of them in our first matchup and lost. Mm -hmm. So everyone said, okay, you got to beat them this time. And we did. So even though we haven't faced Anaheim before yet, uh, I think it's also safe to say based on their just straight up play this year, we should beat them. But I also based on our play recently, I can't say I'm confident we're going to. Yeah. Who knows at this point with that, it is time to wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining me today, Michael. No, I appreciate I appreciate just putting me on. Obviously, I know it's it's a little bit easier to get on probably doing these super late night games. Yeah. And for me, at least with my job as a as an esports journalist, it, it, my my sleep schedule is pretty late anyway. So mm -hmm. I, I usually watch these late games and and results like these. I don't feel happy when I go to sleep. Nice. Any last minute plugs you want to throw out there? Uh, not much. Basically, uh, if any of you guys want to um, see any of my content, uh, I, I mainly work for two sites right now. I work for Upcomer and I do some game reviews for the Washington Post. So if you want to pop in and see anything that I have, you can just go to my Twitter. I know it's linked in the description below, but it's at extra wavy spelled X-T-R-A-W-E-I-V-Y. Um, yeah. And the one thing that I can say is I'm currently in the process of getting a, another game review for Washington Post done. Hopefully, uh, the the whenever that ends up coming to fruition, it'll probably be out uh, start of December. Awesome. Everyone, be sure to check out Michael's Twitter and his content. And be sure to give the stream a like and subscribe to SDPM. We will see you again on Friday. Charlie will have the recap for the game against Anaheim. And we will sign off. Have a good night, everyone. Yeah, go, sends go, even with this. <laughs> Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.